Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag your mind Good evening everyone, I'm Rick Walker Welcome to the Maverick News Channel Weird stuff going on. Um, a lot of news to share with you tonight, but Facebook blocking us. Right now, we just went live and I see that we are not broadcasting on Facebook. No Facebook feeds at all. Totally blocked. Isn't that exciting? So while I'm on the on this, let me just uh, flip over to a different platform. If they don't want us, we'll move on. We'll go there, and we'll go. Well, we don't have a lot of other options. <laughs> oh man. What is wrong with the world today? Here we go. I don't know. I'll try getting on Facebook later. But we're still on Rumble, one YouTube channel, and Twitch. Tonight. We'll see how it goes. We get a lot of people out over on Rumble, so. So hopefully that uh, that's enough for tonight. Uh, Justin Trudeau, as you know, he has paused his plan for the carbon tax on home heating oil, not natural gas, not electricity, not gasoline, home heating oil. We have Pierre Polyev's response to that. And we'll talk about why he has done this. Why Trudeau has done it. He's in panic mode. That's why he's in panic mode. We'll update the situation in the uh, in the battle between Israel and Hamas. We will update the situation with the main shooting as well. So we have all that and more coming up right after this. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow, maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. 
The world is watching. Justin Trudeau is in free fall in the polls. We did a whole show on it, right? But how he's in trouble. And uh, Pierre Polyev is benefiting. He's the guy who's taking the support. If there was an election held today, he would form a majority government, according to all of the polling. We also told you that there are liberal insiders who say that if Justin Trudeau can't pull up his socks and do better in the polls, he will likely tender his resignation early next year. That's the word we're getting from liberal insiders. Justin Trudeau is in trouble. So what did he do yesterday? He put together hastily a news conference to announce that he is going to pause the carbon tax on home heating oil. This was done at the last minute yesterday. I don't know exactly what was going through his mind. I don't know why he did this sudden put together this news conference suddenly, but he did. I don't know why the timing is the way it is, but this is the way it is. So he is pausing the carbon tax on home heating oil, but not natural gas, not gasoline. And it's very clear that he's doing this because the carbon tax is not popular. He needs something to, to work with. He needs something that will help him improve his public image. He's hoping this is it, but it won't be enough because he's only pausing, not eliminating. And so today, Pierre Polyev, leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, went on the offense again, pointed out the obvious, that if people vote for Trudeau, he's just going to slap that tax back on. So basically what Trudeau is saying is, I was really going to screw you, 
and screw you hard after screwing you after three years with lockdowns, mask mandates, mandatory vaccinations, and blah, 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 blah. And then I was really going to screw you with the carbon tax, which has already started at the gas pumps, which is where we're paying, you know, between a dollar fifty-five and a dollar sixty a liter for fuel. So I was really going to screw you later too with this carbon tax on home heating, but I'm going to pause it. We'll pause it. And then we'll, we'll try to incentivize people putting heat pumps into their, into their homes. And if you don't know what a heat pump is, it's like a heat exchanger. It's, it's a furnace that uh, there's several different types. They're expensive. They're very expensive. And they can extract heat from the earth or even from the air and then put it in your home. It's sort of like a reverse air conditioner. It takes heat from outside, puts it inside, refrigerates the outside, and puts the heat into your house. So that's a simple way of putting it. I'm sure that most of you know what a heat pump is. It's a, it's a special kind of furnace. So... Trudeau says that he wants to incentivize the use of more heat pumps, but because, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult and they're expensive, he, he's going to give people a little more time. So he's just going to screw you later, extra hard. And that's, that's the truth. So let's, I'll take you back. Before we run Pierre Polyev's reaction, let's take a quick look at what, Old Fancy Socks had to say during his news conference when he admits that the heat pump install was about changing people's behaviors and also claims that he actually listens to people. This is what he, this is what he says. Let me find the clip. Here we go. And we actually, we, we listen to Canadians because we, and we, we are, Dri we're driven by data. Yeah, right. Okay, here you go. Let me first talk a bit about the price on pollution. Economists and experts around the world have long known that putting a price on carbon emissions is the best way to drive down those emissions that cause climate change. It's the cheapest, most efficient, and most impactful way. And it's working. We are bending the curve, leading the G7 countries because of our price on pollution. And now we designed that price on pollution so that it incentivizes people to choose less polluting ways to live and work. And it puts money back in the pockets of eight out of 10 households where the federal system applies. So it both drives behavior and puts more money back in the pockets of eight out of 10 households across the country. So it supports people to make better choices and puts money back in their pockets. However, we've heard clearly from Atlantic Canadians through our amazing Atlantic MPs that since the federal pollution price came into force this summer, replacing provincial systems, certain features of that pollution price needed to be adjusted to work for everyone. Specifically, as Cody said, 
Many people in Atlantic Canada and in rural communities across the country rely on home heating oil. To be blunt, the price signal on heating oil is not resulting in enough people being able to switch to electric heat pumps despite people wanting to move to these cleaner home heating options. Well, as a government that is focused on evidence and data and outcomes and that is listening to Canadians, we heard you. We heard our Atlantic MPs and we heard Atlantic Canadians. We heard it through conversations at the door, conversations with other orders of government, concerns even as people were concerned about the need to continue to fight climate change, concerns about our abilities to continue to support our families and make it through winters, and concerns that even though people wanted to do the right thing, they weren't necessarily given the option or the ability to do it. So this team behind me worked incredibly hard with our ministers, with our whole team, to get it right, to make sure that we are still leading in the fight against climate change, that we are unwavering in our commitment to protect Atlantic Canadians and indeed all Canadians from the extreme weather events that are increasingly the norm, while ensuring that people can be confident about their present and their future financially. Now, Cody talked about how all Atlantic Canadians understand as well as anyone else in the country why we need to fight climate change, and what the impacts of extreme weather are on people. But we have to make sure we're fighting climate change in ways that supports all Canadians. That has been at the centre of our choices as a government for the past eight years. Fight climate change while supporting Canadians in how we do it. So that is why today we are announcing a three-year pause on the federal pollution price on heating oil so that we can give everyone the time and ability to switch to heat pumps. <laughs> now switching to an electric heat pump from oil heating, which is very vulnerable to volatile global market prices, can save people <laughs> a lot of money. In fact, it can mean as much as thousands of dollars a year less spent on energy bills. So the second part of our announcement today is that, piloting in the Atlantic, we're working with provinces to install a free heat pump for people who are making at or below median household income. And to encourage people to sign up for the change, we're providing a $250 incentive payment. That's money in your pocket right now. Yeah, you didn't know about that one, guys. And for everyone else, we've got an enhanced program that will deliver heat pumps up front to be paid off with the savings you'll be getting over the coming years. We are switching to heat pumps off home heating oil as a region in Atlantic Canada, and as a country. And one more thing, today we are doubling from 10 to 20% the rural top-up 
that people get as part of their quarterly pollution price rebates. Because if you live in a rural community, you don't have the same options that people who live in cities do. We get that. So this is more money in your pocket to recognize those realities even as we continue to fight climate change and build a stronger economy. Okay, so that was, I'm not going to run the whole thing because you get the idea, right? So, Polyev, we have his reaction. But before we do that, I have this video from BC Hydro, British Columbia Hydro, explaining what a heat pump is and how it works. It's a very short video, just in case you don't know, because it is newer technology and a lot of people don't have these. Hang on. Here we go. All right, let's bring this up. See, this will explain how these things work. And they can be very expensive. Hey, it's me, Dave, and this is a heat pump. It's an energy efficient heating and cooling system you can install at home. How does it work? Here, let me show you. Your typical air source heat pump, like this mini split system, has two main components, an indoor and an outdoor unit, which are connected by a refrigerant line. To heat your home in the winter, the outdoor unit pulls heat from the air outside your home. Yes, believe it or not, even when it's cold, outside air still contains a certain amount of heat. The warm air then goes through a refrigerant coolant that is compressed to increase the temperature even more. This warm air is then pushed through to the home. In the summer, to cool your home, the process is reversed. The heat pump absorbs the warm air in your home and transfers it outside. The compressor circulates refrigerant to the indoor evaporator coil and the refrigerant absorbs heat as it passes over the indoor air. The resulting cool and dehumidified air then gets blown back into the home. And that's how a heat pump works. The key here is that heat pumps don't generate heat, but instead they move it from one place to another, which is why heat pumps are so energy efficient. In fact, a heat pump can be up to 300% more efficient than electric baseboards. So if you already have electric heat, a heat pump can help you save on your energy bill. Less energy and more savings, I like. If you're switching from a fossil fuel-based heating source like a natural gas furnace, you'll be reducing your carbon footprint. It's kind of like going from a size 18 down to a size two. You get the idea. It's an environmentally friendly option, especially here in BC where we're powered by water. Plus with rebates from Clean BC and BC Hydro, there's more to say. Make and make note of him talking about BC being powered by water. Polyev is going to make reference to that. And we're going to be hearing a whole lot more about that in the months and years ahead. That's going to be a key thing for Canadians to focus on. But before, you know, I don't want to get into that too deep tonight, 
But we do want Polyev and his reaction to our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Here we go. Here's Polyev's reaction. Thanks very much, everyone. What a beautiful view we have here. I'm going to be a little distracted while I speak. But thanks very much to the great Cliff Small, who is not only a proud and strong member of Parliament for the people of Newfoundland and Labrador, but also the Shadow Minister of Fisheries, fighting for the men and women who bring home the catch. Merci beaucoup d'être venu aujourd'hui. On va commencer rapidement en français. Tout d'abord, Justin Trudeau est en train de capoter. Il est en panique totale. Après huit ans où il a dit qu'on avait besoin d'une taxe carbone. Let me uh, get past this. All right. Go back. You'll get to English here in just a second. Qui va augmenter le coût de l'essence diesel de 17 sous le litre et 20 sous si on ajoute le, le taxe de vente. Et le Bloc québécois veut radicalement augmenter cette taxe. Radicalement augmenter la taxe, dit le Bloc québécois. It's Ça coming. Here comes the English. It's coming. Votez Bloc. Ça coûte très cher, votez Bloc. Donc, aujourd'hui, le Parti conservateur... Come on. Guidé par le gros bon sens... Anglais, please. ...raclame l'abolition totale des taxes... Here we go. So is in total panic mode. After eight years of telling Canadians they had to pay higher carbon taxes on gas, heat, and groceries, he admitted that his carbon tax is not worth the cost of heat. Now, what caused this sudden press conference that he cobbled together on Parliament Hill with little notice was it because he was concerned at the 78% increase in food bank use under his watch? No. Was it because he worried that 1.9 million visits had to happen to a single in a single month to food banks because Canadians could not feed themselves after eight years of his leadership? No. Was it because he's worried that scurvy is making a comeback after eight years of his government's taxes and inflationary policies. No, that didn't worry him either. It was because he was worried that he doubled the cost of housing or that these homeless encampments are becoming common right across the country. That wasn't his concern either. What caused Justin Trudeau to freak out yesterday and hold a sudden press conference to announce that he was going to pause the carbon tax on home heating oil? The answer is that he was plummeting in the polls and Pierre Polyev was holding massive rallies in liberal held ridings to axe the tax. Justin Trudeau is not worried about the cost of living. He's worried about the cost of votes. And that's what caused his panicked flip-flop yesterday. Yesterday was the one-year anniversary that liberal MPs, including liberal MPs from Newfoundland and Labrador, voted to keep taxes on home eating oil. But what does this announcement really mean? Well, one, Trudeau and the Liberals are still going to go ahead with a carbon tax on your gas and groceries, a tax they plan to quadruple 
to 61 cents a liter. Two, Justin Trudeau announced yesterday that if you reelect him, he will put the tax back on your home heating oil. Three, he says, don't worry, he'll send you 11 bucks more in the mail. 11 bucks. These days, that's a few cups of coffee. Who's going to feed themselves on 11 bucks while he drives up the cost of the gas and diesel that you put in your car, the fuel that goes into the, the, sh the boats of our fishermen and into the tractors of our farmers, which will drive up the food of the cost of all the food we bring home? That's what you're voting for if you keep Justin Trudeau or the local Atlantic Canadian Liberals elected. A 61 cents a liter carbon tax that will force our seniors to cut back on meals and go hungry. It'll mean more malnutrition. It'll mean hundreds of thousands more Canadians jamming into food banks. Lineups at food banks, they look like bread lines from the Great Depression after eight years of Justin Trudeau, but he's not done yet. So my message to Atlantic Canadians and all Canadians, don't be fooled by Justin Trudeau's latest panic maneuver. He still plans to hit you with a 61 cent a liter carbon tax and every single liberal MP is responsible for making that tax apply. And finally, what about all the other Canadians who don't use home eating oil, but use gas. Gas, which ironically has lower greenhouse gas emissions, will still pay the carbon tax. So working class people in the suburbs of Ontario, the prairies and British Columbia, who heat with natural gas, will be cold and broke because of Justin Trudeau and his carbon tax. He's excluding, he doesn't care about them because he's making political calculations. This is not about environmental science, it's about political science. The good news is that life wasn't like this before Justin Trudeau, and it won't be like this after he's gone. Common sense conservatives are going to turn the hurt that he's caused into the hope that Canadians need. Pierre Polyev and the common sense conservatives will axe the Trudeau tax entirely and forever. There will be no flip-flopping, there will be no turns of corners, there will be no little targeted exemptions here or gimmicks there. We will axe the Trudeau tax completely. And we will bring home more powerful paychecks with lower income taxes that reward hard work by approving natural resource projects to bring Newfoundland and Labrador's uh, oil and gas sector roaring back to life so that we can replace the overseas oils we're bringing in with clean Canadian energy. We'll approve natural gas liquefaction pro projects so that we can turn dollars for dictators into paychecks for our people. We'll incentivize cities to speed up and lower the cost of building permits, to build, build, build homes that Canadians can afford. We'll bring home safety with jail and not bail for repeat violent offenders, treatment and not more tax-funded drugs for addicts, we will bring home safety by sealing our borders against illegal guns smuggled from the United States. And we will respect law-abiding and licensed sports shooters and hunters and end Justin Trudeau's harassment of them. All in all, we can sum it up in two words. 
common sense. The common sense of the common people united for our common home. Your home, my home, our home. Let's bring it home. Okay. Thank you. We'll now have time for questions from the floor. Please uh, state your name and your outlet. Peter Cowan with CBC. Uh, I want to ask you about your plan for addressing climate change. You've said technology, not taxes. Does this mean larger subsidies than already exist for clean energy and technology? And would you leave in place any regulations currently there meant to curtail greenhouse gas emissions? Thank you very much uh, for your question. We're going to green light green projects. Right now, the big, uh, biggest obstacle to clean energy is government gatekeepers. It takes 25 years to get a mine approved. That's why we don't mine lithium for electric cars batteries. We import that refined lithium from China where they burn coal to produce it. I would green quickly green light lithium mines. I would find, I would compress the timelines to assess the safety of small modular nuclear reactors so that we can power our grid with clean, green, emissions-free nuclear. I would remove the duplication so that Quebec can more quickly build its hydroelectric dams to double emissions-free hydroelectricity production in that province so that we can power the green economy of the future. I would green light tidal wave power like the kind Trudeau killed off the coast of Nova Scotia. I would incentivize and approve carbon capture and storage projects in Western Canada so that we can bring down the emissions and have the lowest emitting barrel of oil that comes out of the ground. I would green light natural gas liquefaction projects that will be the lowest emitting anywhere on earth using clean hydroelectricity and cold weather to liquefy the gas and the short shipping distances to send it to Asia and shut down dirty coal fire Asian plants, uh, Asian uh, uh, coal fire plants and replace it with clean Canadian gas and send it to Europe so that we can break European dependence on Putin and Qatar and turn dollars for dictators into paychecks for our people. Thank you. Next question. Hi, uh, Cameron Kilfoy with The Telegram. Uh, even with the changes announced by Trudeau yesterday, I'm curious how this impacts those in NL. Is it enough to help? No. This is a tiny gimmick. First of all, Newfoundlanders and Labradorians should know that Trudeau still plans to bring in a 61 cent a litre carbon tax on your gas and your, your diesel. Two, they should know he continues, he will continue to tax the fuel of the fishermen and farmers who produce our food and the truckers who ship the food, which is a tax on all the food. It is going to be a very high tax on the rural and remote communities. In, I was in Yukon, the grocer in Whitehorse said that he paid more in fuel charges to ship the food from Edmonton than he did for the food itself. So this is a Trudeau tax on food, on gas, and if he's reelected, it will be a tax on your heat. Remember, he's saying if he gets reelected in the next election a year later, he will put the tax back on home heating oil. So this is a scam designed to trick oil heating households into voting for him one more time before he can hit them with his big tax hike. Only the common sense conservatives will ax the tax entirely. Okay, next question. Uh, ben Cleary, NTV News. Uh, 
I want to ask about housing. The, the federal housing minister has said that the biggest issue in this province uh, seems to be a labor shortage. Uh, do you agree with that? And how would you address the housing crisis here? Well, that didn't cause that didn't seem to cause a problem when I was housing minister and rent was half mortgage payments were half down payments were half of what we pay now. After eight years of Trudeau, he's doubled the rent, doubled mortgage payments, doubled the needed down payment for the average home. After eight years of Trudeau, uh, the average family now has to spend 6% of their gross income to make monthly payments on the average home. That was only 39% when I was, when I was a housing minister. After eight years of Trudeau, we have the second worst housing bubble in all of the OECD. We have the fewest homes per capita of any country in the G7, even though we have the most land to build on after eight years of Trudeau. So my common sense plan is to speed up the permitting. Uh, the, the problem is we have the second slowest permits. It takes seven to 10 years to get communities zoned and permitted to build on. That adds literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to the cost of every newly built home. Many developers will tell you they spend more time on paperwork than they do on construction. My common sense plan, first and foremost, will incentivize cities to speed up and lower the cost of building permits. I'll require every city permit 15% more homes per year or they'll lose federal grants. If they boot the target by 10%, they'll get 10% more money. If they miss it by 10%, they'll get 10% less. In other words, I want to pay the city bureaucracy the way real estate agents get paid. They get paid on volume of sales. I want to pay the cities based on the volume of housing completions. I'm going to sell off 6,000 federal buildings and thousands of acres of federal land to build, build, build. I'll require CMHC, which is the bureaucracy that approves financing for apartment buildings to hit the 60 day target for approving financing. Right now it takes two years for developers to get approval from CMHC. I will cut the executive pay of CMHC by 50% if they don't get the average approval time down to 60 days. And if they still haven't done that by a year, I'll fire them all. We're gonna have fast approval of financing for apartments, build homes, not bureaucracy. Finally, the big cost right now is higher interest rates. Interest rates are, have gone up faster under Justin Trudeau than at any time in monetary history. Why? Because of a half trillion dollars of inflationary deficits that bid up the goods we buy and the interest we pay. We must cap spending and cut waste to balance the budget and bring home lower mortgage rates. Thank you. Okay, next question. Hi there, I'm Sarah Smelly. I'm with the Canadian Press. Uh, given concerns that you and others have voiced over pro-Palestinian rallies, demonstrations that some argue have amounted to support for Hamas, if you form the next government, would you introduce laws that were in place under the Harper government that criminalize the advocacy or promotion of terrorism offenses? So we would, let's distinguish. People can protest any cause they want. They can state any opinion they choose and that will not change when I'm Prime Minister. I am running for Prime Minister to make Canada the freest nation on earth. So people are free to disagree with me on the Middle East or anything else. I have condemned people with my words, not with any proposed censorship, who have glorified the genocidal attacks by Hamas on Israeli civilians, which was the worst attack on Jews since the Holocaust. 
we have already a criminal prohibition on providing material support to listed terrorist organizations like Hamas. That should be enforced. If you donate, raise money, coordinate, recruit for Hamas, it is already a crime and you should be arrested and prosecuted if you do that. At the same time, people are free to express any opinion they want, even when I find those opinions appalling. Finally, I don't agree with you conflating Palestinians with Hamas. They're completely different. The Palestinian people are not responsible for the evil of Hamas. Hamas is a terrorist dictatorship. They opposes, opposes itself on Palestinians. Palestinians are the Palestinian people themselves are innocent, their lives are precious, and we should do everything we can to protect them and their families during this difficult time. And on the Conservative Party expresses total solidarity with Canadian Jews and Canadian Muslims, both of whom are suffering because of this horrendous war that Hamas has unleashed and the evil that that organization represents. And in conclusion, we do believe Israel, like any other country, has the ability and the right to defend itself. Thank you. Okay. Next question. Uh, Andrew Robinson, allnewfoundlandlabrador.com. Um, regarding the recent Supreme Court uh, decision that um, struck down most of the Impact Assessment Act, I was wondering uh, what you might suggest the federal government should look at in terms of bringing anything to replace it. We should replace uh, Trudeau's anti-development law, C-69, now found unconstitutional by the courts, with a common sense law that consults First Nations, protects our environment, but gets decisions made. Our goal should be to have decisions within one year of an application. That way we can unleash the production of Canadian resources and do it in the most environmentally responsible way. You know, right now it takes 25 years to approve a mine in Canada. I ask people, do we find anything out about a mining project in year 22 and 23 that we couldn't have found, up, found out in year one? Same thing with nuclear power. It takes 11, 12, 13 years to get a nuclear power plant approved. Is, are we really learning anything in year 11 of that process that we couldn't have learned in year one? Why don't we have the same strong environmental protections, but apply them more quickly? Finally, I would also recognize the environmental damage that is done by blocking Canada from harvesting its resources. When we don't produce resources, we cede the market to environmentally irresponsible foreign dictatorships. A conservative, a common sense conservative government led by Pierre Polyev will green light Canada's natural resource projects so that we can bring home powerful paychecks to our people. Okay, thank you. Next question. Uh, Brian Callahan with VOCM News. Um, you've mentioned the green lighting of, of and, and expediting potential power projects. Uh, in the same vein, um, we've just had a recent massive wind project on the west coast of Newfoundland. Uh, the Federal Assessment Agency chose not to review it. People there are worried about the environmental Told you. impacts. Are you uh, unknown? With this new industry, are you concerned about those potential environmental power, 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 up and expediting the environmental assessment process? I don't think the problem is speed. I think the problem is uh, we need to we, we need to have the best science, the best information, and a careful, meticulous review. But we have to do them quickly. 
There's no reason why we can't apply the science and the data in six months or a year rather than seven or eight years. We need more power right across Canada. We need more affordable energy. And that means improving projects that are good. I, I can't comment on every single project in the country. I'd be happy to look into the one you, you mentioned in particular, but my overall approach will be to deliver quick decisions to green light green projects so that we can supply our grid with emissions free power uh, that is affordable to consumers. Thank you. And this will be the final question. Thank you. Bonjour, Kyle Mooney de Radio Bonjour. Canada. Je veux savoir quel est votre plan précis et quelles sont vos cibles précises? Okay. So, Polyev scoring more points today, even though Justin Trudeau taking steps to break his free fall in the polls by <laughs> trying to give something back that he was about to take away and make himself look good in the process saying, I was really going to screw you hard, but I'm going to wait until after the next election to screw you. So if you vote for me, I'll screw you really hard after I get back in, but I won't screw you before. Aren't you happy about that? And I don't think Canadians will be very happy about it. Uh, it'll fool some of the people for some of the time, but not all of the people for all of the time. In fact, I don't think he's fooling very many people at any time anymore. It's just a matter of time before Justin Trudeau is gone. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. So what do we know about that main shooting today? Well, we know that the manhunt is intensifying for Robert Card, who is uh, accused of killing those 18 people and injuring 13 others in that mass shooting in Lewiston, Maine, Wednesday night. That shooting took place in two locations, a bowling alley where a children's league was taking place and at a local bar. 
Now that shelter in place order has been rescinded and hunting though remains banned in four cities in that area. The victims range in age from 14 to 76 years of age. And of course, this has sent shockwaves through the entire region, through the community of Lewiston, where residents have started to emerge from their shelter-in-place locations. And the process, of course, of grieving has begun. The suspect, we know, did leave a, uh, a suicide note at his home. And the suspect's sister says he might have been looking for his ex. And the names of those 18 victims have been released by authorities. And the search continues for the suspect who remains at large. He's considered armed and dangerous. And officials are advising people to not approach him under any circumstances because he is considered to be very dangerous. And let's move on to the Israel-Gaza situation. Thousands of people, as you know, have died. Thousands of others injured since the initial attack from Hamas on Israel, October 7th. Where Israel um, is now retaliating. And we've already seen a bombing campaign and Israel saying that uh, they're engaging in a total siege of the neighboring Gaza Strip. This has brought the entire region to the edge of an all-out war with all the countries in the region in the process it looks like they're aligning themselves, picking a side. Some of this is predictable. Some of it isn't. What was unpredictable for some people, but not so much for me, was Hamas visiting Russia. And Russian officials sitting down to talk to Hamas now. What does that mean? Well, it depends on your perspective, I guess. Um, I'm not so sure that it actually is that positive because, how can I put this? On the surface, it looks like it's, it's a good thing because Russia is trying to help facilitate or find a path to um, peace by talking to Hamas. But on the other side, Hamas is seen as a terrorist organization. You don't negotiate with terrorists, right? 
that would be the position on the other side. And this further polarizes the entire situation, complicates it. If Hamas wasn't considered to be a terrorist organization by the West, the discussions taking place in Russia might be viewed as a a more positive thing. But I'm not sure that it's going to have the effect of driving the situation toward peace. We'll have to just watch, observe, and see where all of that goes. What I am seeing, and I'm sure what you're seeing as well, is more and more polarization on the whole issue. We're seeing a rise in, well, I I don't know if this is the right way to characterize it. Some would say we're seeing a rise in anti-Semitism. I'm not so sure that we're seeing a rise in anti-Semitism. I think it's exposing anti-Semitism in a, in a more profound way. It's just it's just been there the whole time, I think, and now a lot of people are just openly displaying their anti-Semitic views. I guess it is also a rise in anti-Semitism because a lot of people are sheep and they will follow the latest thing and they'll just do that. And so if you're seeing a rise in something or something becomes more prominent or apparent, people will follow it. Even if it, is immoral or unethical or evil. Some people will just follow. So we're, we're, we're seeing that as well. I don't think there's any question of that. That's, that's a, a big part of it. But the, uh, the thing that really I find most concerning is the way that the information warfare is being conducted. The way that Both sides are taking steps to dehumanize the other side. Israel, well, calling Palestinians, Hamas, animals, human animals. On the other side, also steps being taken to characterize portray Jews as subhuman. It's the same rhetoric back and forth. It's extremely disturbing. And uh, I'm going to play you a clip. I like Michael Savage, but even he is engaging in exactly this kind of rhetoric. Of course, he is pro-Israel all the way, of course. And I'm just going to play a little bit from his podcast today. Here we go. Let me bring this up for you. Listen to his, his language here. Educated, beautiful. It'll come up here in a moment. And she comes out 
and tells the big lie that Israel is committing the atrocities. Just can't believe the images that we're seeing every single day coming out of Gaza. We are just shocked and disappointed by the world's reaction. And, you know, are we being told that it is wrong to kill a, a family, an entire family at gunpoint, but it's okay to shell them to death? I mean, there is a glaring double standard here. So the silence is deafening. And to many in our region, it makes the Western world complicit, you know, um, through their support and through the cover that they give Israel, that it is just, it's right to defend itself. Many in the Arab world are looking at the Western world as not just tolerating this, but as aiding and abetting it. And then later today, video footage was released. I, I could run it for you today on this YouTube piece, but I don't even want to do it. It's too shocking, even for me. I'm still shaking from what I watched. This was raw footage released today, taken by some of the subhuman animals called Hamas. Subhuman animals called Hamas. Subhuman animals. They're not human beings. When I saw what they did to men, women, children, even dogs, they shot the dogs. As they, shouldn't that affect you liberal morons, you psychopaths? The sickest thing I saw were fat, ugly lesbians running around campuses, free Palestine. Uh, do you know what they do to lesbians in Gaza or Iran? These people are mentally ill. Do you understand how sick the left really is? And then to top it off, I go to a mall today to buy some vegetables at a farmer's market, and there's this old man selling newspapers, a local newspaper that no one wants to buy. And I see this old hippie with a ponytail talking with him rather loudly saying, I don't know why to the old newsman, the guy's just a peddler of no, you know, giving out papers for free says to him, Oh, did you see the Jews, the Jews he's saying out loud, real loud are hated by the left after so many of them are on the left. So I decided, you know, I can't argue with everyone I listen to in the, in the street. He's entitled to his opinion as faulty as he may be, or as, Whatever he's thinking, it's his opinion. After all, I'm an older man. I'm not looking for a fight. But I watch what's going on in this country. The, the hatred for Jews right now is at a fever pitch coming primarily from the left, but not solely from the left, incidentally. Here's the strange twist. The uh, people you consider to be patriots and on the right are also now openly hating Israel. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. They think Israel was created in 1947 out of thin air. They think all the Jews were imported from the survivors of the death camps. The ignorance is overwhelming to me. You have to go back in history, which I gave to you on my one of my most recent podcasts, which I don't want to repeat to you, but Jews have been uh, in the Holy Land since 2000 BC. 2000 BC, Jews have been in that land. And as far as this notion of Palestine, do you know where the name came from? It came from the Romans. Do you know where this concept of Palestine was magnified? By the Soviets. Way back in time, the Soviets told Arafat to stop calling for the death of Israel and the death of Jews. And the Soviets told Arafat, start calling for the liberation or free Palestine. It was the Soviets who told him, do not say kill the Jews, say free Palestine, and make yourself, therefore, into the minority. Now, remember, there's hundreds and hundreds of millions of Muslims 
surrounding a few million Jews. The true minority are the Jews in Israel. But the Soviets told Arafat, don't say kill the Jews, say free Palestine. So now you see the fat lesbians and the other fellow travelers on the left screaming free Palestine on the campuses when they would be the first to be thrown off a building as they are in Iran. And then I watched the snuff film later today. And I can't describe to you in words what I saw. Now, you know, I've been in the business a long time. It was like watching a snuff film. It was released today on Gateway Pundit. And I posted it on on uh, uh, my Twitter feed, at A Savage Nation. If you want to watch this, and I don't recommend it, these are Hamas-documented atrocities filmed by themselves, seeing them mutilating corpses, burning houses. You'll see Jews burned alive in their cars. You'll see dogs shot in these little country little houses. You'll see these animals, these subhumans, doing things to human beings we have not seen in real time since Hitler ran the world. Islam may be a religion of peace for some, but not for all. Yesterday on my podcast, I interviewed Robert Spencer, the director of Jihad Watch, and we learned about the politically incorrect guide to Islam, the truth about Muhammad, the history of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS. The fact of the matter is jihad has been warfare against unbelievers for 1,400 years. And then when the two old Jewish ladies who had been released the other day with a very, very sad story and shows you how smart the propaganda is coming out of the uh, Hamas subhuman community, they released two old Jewish women who they kidnapped, keeping their old husbands in the tunnels. And the two old Jewish women say, they weren't that bad. They treated us nicely. We ate cucumbers and something else, just like they did. All in all, they said it wasn't bad. Now, what you don't know is that these women were told what to say, or their husbands would have been slaughtered with the video sent to them. That would be my guess. Okay. So that gives you a sample of... Uh the Michael Savage podcast from today. And again, I like Michael Savage, but the rhetoric, the, the choice of words referring to the Palestinians and Hamas as subhuman. I have that video that he's referring to. If you can tell me when I'm, Here's the thing about this video, and I'm. this is what I'm thinking. I don't like to show stuff like that. On the other hand, it's war. I also believe that truth is the only path forward to freedom and to have a true understanding of anything you need full context and when it comes to war i think that in the west 
here in Canada and in the United States, far too many people view war as some sort of a Hollywood movie. It is sanitized for us because we get our history from Steven Spielberg. We literally do. I know that at the high school, at the high schools in this region, they literally run Schindler's List for students. Because I've been told by students that they've been, that they've watched it in history class as though it is a factual account of the Second World War. And it's not really a factual account. Great movie, good messaging, but it's not a factual account. It's a dramatization. Vietnam was a war that came into people's living rooms because people saw the reality of the war for the first time in that way, not in real time, but in a way that put them fairly close to the action and fairly close to real time. It resulted in a lot of anti-war activities and protests back in the day because people found it so disturbing. So I'm willing to run it. I will let you guys decide and comment in the chat. You want me to run that footage tonight? I will. We will jump off YouTube. We're not on Facebook anyway. It looks like we're blocked on all the Facebook platforms for tonight. I'm not sure if it's that we're being blocked. I know that they're, they've been having some technical issues accepting live streams from everyone. So uh, it could be that. Or we could be blocked. I don't know. But we'll jump off YouTube if you guys want to see this stuff. And then for balance, I will find footage in Gaza to show you exactly what's kind of going on there, or at least a version of what is going on there. It's this, this, all this footage is extremely graphic, but it's also very real. People need to understand, I think, what the true horrors of war are. To fully understand why we need to stop the killing and why the only real path forward is peace. Because violence will just get us more violence. And that's what we're getting right now. Okay, so I see people saying, yes, run it, run it, run it. I'm going to give it a few minutes. I'm going to make uh, a couple more points here and make reference to a few more things related to this before we get to that point. And if you don't want me to run it, you know, you're welcome to uh, chime in as well and give me your, your perspective on this. You know, when I say violence, we'll just get you more violence. The violence is coming here. People know it instinctively. This will be 
if this continues, this war will end up here at home. And I don't mean in some metaphysical way or some political way. I mean in a very real way. Yesterday, here in my community, they locked down the hospitals. Someone phoned into the switchboard, was making some sort of threat in the morning. And as a result, they locked down the hospitals. Very few details were released. Police went to a home, arrested a man who has not been named as far as I know, even today. And then later released him. He's going to appear in court on some sort of a related charge. I don't know exactly what the charge is, but I do know they released him yesterday afternoon. But it sent shockwaves through the staff at all the hospitals, the two hospitals, one in this town where I live and one up the road in a neighboring town, both of which are part of the same um, healthcare organization. And that's because everybody is on edge. I don't know how serious the threat really was, but police took it super serious and locked the hospitals down. I also know that there have been communities in Quebec in Ontario, where in the last few days, suspicious packages have been detonated because they were afraid they might be bombs or explosive devices, improvised, improvised explosive devices of some kind. All of this stuff is getting us to a heightened sense of concern. And I'm seeing reports tonight from various media outlets, mostly independent, predicting that terrorism is going to increase here domestically. We're going to see more terrorist attacks in Canada and the U.S. as a result of the conflict over there. And I believe that. And that's because the politics, the history, the conflict, we've imported it. You're seeing it in the streets now and in the form of protests from the various sides. The emotions are running high. And some people, they're not assimilating into our society. They're, they're, they've been encouraged to bring their culture, their religion, and their history with them. And as a result, we're seeing conflict, the conflicts from other countries come here to North America. That's why this global, this conflict, which is going global, it's turning into something of a world war, not just the kind of world war we've been experiencing through information warfare, cyber warfare. It's turned into a kinetic war now on a couple of fronts, Ukraine, Israel, Palestine. Countries aligning themselves. This is a prelude, I fear, of things to come. And the cyber attacks are ramping up. That kind of warfare still continues. In fact, 
again, here in my own hometown today. Let me find you the, uh, the page on this. Cyber attack, the same hospitals, not just the two hospitals in my area, but the hospitals all through this region. The victim of a cyber attack that there it is right there. Okay, so I'll bring this up for you on the screen. This is the local radio station reporting on this today. A cyber attack at the Chatham Kent Health Alliance. And it affected the systems there. Now, what was the motivation behind it? Who did it? I, we still don't know. They have called in a third-party outside cybersecurity team to investigate and try to um, get their systems back online. But all the hospitals in this region, the victim of some kind of a, of a cyber attack that has affected their computer systems. And just given the, the situation in the Middle East, the protests we're seeing here, it's, uh, it's just got everybody on edge and wondering what is really going on. Cyber attacks, predictions of more terrorism, and we already have some terrorism here as it is. We're just going to see more of it, I fear. I hope not. I hope I am wrong. But I don't think I am. Because we're seeing a rise in anti-Semitism. I said this the other night, and I'm going to, I'm just going to touch on it tonight a little bit. I want to do, wanna, I want to, I think we need to talk about this in, in, in broader strokes and in more detail another night. But I, I did say the several, three, four nights ago that what people, even within the freedom movement are not aware of is that we're being channeled and lied to and manipulated. And it's been going on especially over the past three years with people on all sides of the political spectrum trying to pull us down into rabbit holes and indoctrinate us into one political ideology or another. And specifically, as it relates to anti-Semitism, And I will get into this in more detail, maybe tomorrow. The people doing this have been shifting their language. You're seeing it on, and I don't even like using this left-right idea when it comes to the political spectrum. I think of it more as a circular thing. But what you're seeing is that if the people are described as being on the far right, they're doing it with their own language. They're doing it with using words like elite, the elite, and shifting blame onto the elite. And people also on the left, and I stand by what I said the other night, people on the left 
also are within the populist movement that has become also part of the freedom movement in Canada and the U.S., and they also are using new new words or re recrafted words in order to sort of pull people into their political sphere on the sly without people realizing. But what has happened since the Hamas attack on Israel and now all of the controversy surrounding the war, and this has ramped everything up, a lot of these people have basically taken off their masks and revealed themselves for what they really are. I said about two months ago that very soon we would be seeing the people who are deceiving us, that they would pivot. They would pivot. And they would start telling us what they really mean. In, in plainer language, not in not using words that they've redefined, which is what, you know, the cultural left, the cultural Marxists, the neoliberal, the, the woke strain of socialist in, in, in today's political landscape, that's what they do. They play with words, right? So that Planned Parenthood is actually an abortion clinic that means the opposite of what it really is. Well, we're seeing that now where where some of these people referring to the elite what they really meant what they really meant is or what they've really been meaning is Jew. Now, I, I'm not saying everybody using the word elite understood that and I think for most a lot of maybe not most but a lot of people using the word elite to them, it's like the rich people, the people in charge, um, without attaching any specific ethnicity or religion or any other kind of prejudice to it. But that's really what a lot of these people have been meaning. They just haven't come been coming right out and telling us. Fooled me for a while. I wasn't paying close enough attention in the early days, but it soon became apparent over time. And it's a dangerous thing because we're seeing this intolerance, this prejudice, this bigotry repeating itself. So much so that it's on full display now in some places. All over the world tonight in different countries. Let me see if I can give you a good example here. Um, I can give you something. Right here. Here's a good one. This is in Turkey today. This is not World War II. This is today. Jews not allowed. That sign. You just heard, okay, the other side of that, Michael Savage, 
prominent podcaster, semi-retired, puts out a couple of podcasts a week. I still listen to him, pro-Israel. He's Jewish. I believe he's Jewish. Yes, he is. And now on the other side in Turkey, it's no Jews allowed. Get, get out. Michael Savage referring to Palestinians as subhuman. This is a terrible situation. Obviously. Obviously. And we're going to go live right now to Ottawa and Chris Dacey. This is, uh, yeah, here we go. And this is going on. We're live right now with Chris Dacey out of Ottawa. This unrest is worldwide. I don't want to get too far in there. Jump across the street for a minute. I've been identified as the enemy here, clearly. The police are staying in their vehicles. They will not exit their vehicles. Got more police over here. They seem to all be staying in their vehicles. Got about nine bands of public order units. Public order units, a.k.a. riot police. And the guy's having a meeting. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just trying to walk here. Trying to walk here, thanks. Business. Let me step out into safe territory for a minute here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Turn it around. Boom. Support. Oh, come on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yellow vest already got me too. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's like, what do you think of pictures? Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, all of you guys are seeing. Oh, I see you got a diagonal. There we go. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You. Oh, that's Philip on the front of your shirt, right, man. Dude, dude, dude. Big trouble. Big trouble. Big trouble. I went in there, man. They, they identified me as the enemy immediately. I know. I started getting in my face, and they're like, he's, a guy follows me around for like five minutes, puts it in my face, hits my balls. Then they're like, God, uh, he's stalking them. Right. this nonsense. Just a minute ago, we had chants of from the river to the sea. You guys know what that is? From the river to the sea? It's a very pleasant chant. This is the, uh, so where are we here? So this is Ottawa City Hall right here and behind. This is the Heritage Building here in Ottawa. It's decorated like a cemetery for some reason. Could be Halloween. It's great and good one. Who's the spot, man? Who's the spot? 
Mr. Smooth. Oh, yeah. Smoothie, get the shots. You got any Oh, yeah, look at this. Oh, we got a draw. Oh, yeah. Ariel, Check my bag. How about you? my thing by this part. First, you find Mr. Whitaker fighting like dead on the side. Hey, don't say that. Smoothie here. Yes, you hear it with Smoothie on scene. We're running out of battery over here. We're running on extremely low batteries here, folks. Did you show them the public order vans? Yeah, yeah, man. There's like eight or nine of them. We're all staying inside the public order vans. Sorry, pardon that. Pardon Clayton, I can hear you, sir. Excuse me, Clayton, I cannot quite hear your insults. Are your batteries running as low as your IQ, Daisy? Is it? Is this your security, Clayton? Is this man your security, Clayton? I didn't have to ask Mooney to be security. Who's Mooney? Watch how we talk to Dean Mooney, brother. What about Dean Mooney? You can address Dean Mooney directly if you like. Free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Clayton Goodwin, ladies and gentlemen. CEO of the Veterans Accountability Commission. There he is. Top notch, very well respected community veteran. Who? Clayton Goodwin. Clayton always chooses the right side of every fight. Always, always there, always there. I'm going to delete all the extra videos and bring low in space. You didn't tell me there was some big protest today. I didn't know there was, man. I was just coming back. Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! That one didn't really track. We got people coming in here everywhere, man. This thing is just getting started, it looks like. There's Ottawa City Hall. Courthouse in behind us. Another one, two, three, four units here, I guess.
And I would say Justin Trudeau is suffering because of this too. This is one of the reasons he's sinking in the polls. The the, the support from the Muslim community that he would traditionally. Gentlemen. Um, bit of a strange scene, man. We're here. It's uh, it's about usual. Uh, yeah, it's, it's slipping. It's not on Wellington Street, but we like this new location. The Human Rights Memorial is, uh, you know, uh, a good place. It's a legitimate place to come and bring your uh, thing. And uh, we're so great. You know, any person who can stand up on the street and uh, try to solve the world's problems by coming together in person, uh, these are my brothers and sisters. And what, whatever position they take on any issue is uh, secondary to that. It's much better than staying at home and ignoring everything I, around us. I guess. Us. I so, guess. Yeah, I mean, like from uh, the yeah. river to the sea chance are a little much is, uh, for me, but. Uh, uh, I think all of us uh, understand that there's a lot of hot air for every group. Yeah. And every group can get a little bit over. Well, well, it and, looks and, like there's a lot of people here who don't even right. really know why they're here. That's right. And a lot of these people, in fact, all of these people are uh, look like Canadians, my neighbors, and uh, they want peace the same as we do. They may not be as good as we are at articulating exactly how to do that, but uh, they're our brothers and sisters because they want to stop the suffering. Yeah, they we want, all, to, yeah, they we want, want to stop the lies and corruption. Yeah. They're against lies and corruption. Stop the same as us. That's right. Stop the lies. Stop the killing and the war. And the war yeah, machine. Yeah. We're here to stop yeah, the war yeah. machine. And, uh, stop needless uh, suffering. Stop the slaughter of innocents. Stop the war machine. Absolutely. And the war machine uh, affects them the same way it affects us, the same yeah. way it affects everyone. The war everyone. machine affects everyone. The war machine, yeah. yes. And we're here to say no to that. And these are our brothers and sisters. We're with them for that. And whoever wants to stop that war yeah, machine. Yeah, I didn't come in here at all. Like, uh, no, I mean, I just came in here silently, and I was I was pegged as an enemy somehow. But no, we're not the enemy. We're with the people. We want to stop the war machine. These guys want to stop the war machine. We're with them. And, uh, yes, it doesn't matter which side it is. The war machine doesn't care which side you're on. It, it just kills. Yeah, it'll eat you up regardless. It will. And, uh, it, its and mission so, is yeah. money, power, and death. That's right. And so uh, that's right. Exactly right. Uh, but this uh -huh. is good. We want people out doing this kind of thing. I'm going to go watch Mr. Smooth's back there. They're very good at it. Yeah. 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 Somebody watch my back. Um, Chris Casey, Casey Media? Yeah. Usually there's way bigger crowds. I haven't seen so many in Ottawa. In some cities, yeah, 10,000, 15,000. And then this one. Man, we're just having a conversation, man. Like, we're making enemies of people that are just trying to make friends, man. So be it. Okay, well, anyways, thanks for coming. So, I'm here trying to have a conversation with a guy, right? But certain people won't allow that. Somebody here said, I'm not, I'm, I guess, persona non grata. can't talk to me. Try to have a conversation with the guy, and then you get a yellow vest come in and tell you no. Interesting. Interesting.
Palestine will be free. That really means that they would like to wipe Israel off the face of the planet. All right. I don't know if the people chanting All right, well, this looks that like it's going to get bigger. i got to film a bit of video, do a couple of things. I will be back. I'll try to go live catch the end of this thing. A very, very large Palestinian protest on Elgin Street in Ottawa. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Chris Stacy, for that report. As always, on the scene. And uh, thank you, Anesty, for sending that link. Appreciate that. And I'm glad we could share that with you. Um, man. See, everything's so volatile. And the thing is, people don't understand, or we're ha a lot of people are having trouble understanding why people on the right and the left seem to be aligning with Palestine and even Hamas. To a lot of people, it doesn't make sense. And I understand why it doesn't make sense. But it does. It absolutely does make sense if you really, truly know your history. It makes perfect sense. I'm not going to dig into all of it tonight, but I've told you in previous nights that the politics has become, in, 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 in many respects, I've been saying, the old labels don't really quite apply anymore because political ideologies have become hybrid. They've morphed. You have different strains of political ideologies. And I would, that's why I refer to the globalists as really communo-fascists, authoritarians, but international globalists, authoritarians with a kind of a hybrid communist fascistic political ideology that they're imposing on the world. And then on the other side, you have sort of a nationalistic socialism that has taken hold. And then somewhere out there is, I think, at least in my mind, what I thought the West used to represent which was liberty, freedom, what the United States was founded on as a, as a republic. But these things are difficult to keep, to hold on to, especially if you're talking about a democracy, because democracy's Achilles heel, its weakness is also its strength, which is democracy itself. Because democracy is an open system, and if it embraces freedom and freedom of speech, freedom of 
expression, freedom of political thought, than people with political ideologies that run contrary to and in opposition to democracy, freedom, liberty, personal, individual rights and freedoms. They're free to participate in the system and even take it over using the system. Much of that has actually been going on for quite some time. Our free society has been under intense political pressure. And it's reached a, you know, a point where I think a lot of things are ready to explode. History is, in many respects, repeating itself right in front of our eyes as we speak. You just watched some of it. The difference this time around, which is different than World War I, different than World War II, different than the time periods before all of that, is that, you know, if you go back to World War II and World War I, the West was here. We were insulated by the oceans. But now we're insulated no more. That insulation before allowed the West to get involved from a distance to help fight fascism. And during the Cold War, even authoritarianism imposed by communism, which is what we saw happen in Poland with the Solidarity Movement and the fall of the Berlin Wall. People have different takes on all of that, but even then there was some insulation. But now, you know, so that the, the West was here, the West was able to help save the world. People came here to escape the turmoil, the political violence in the rest of the world. But now, through a combination of technology, digital technology, internet, immigration, and industrial revolution, which has given people incredible mobility worldwide so that people can fly all constantly all around the world, we're connected. And you're seeing that on the streets tonight, even in Ottawa. It is here. And we're going to have to deal with it in a more realistic way moving forward because it's something we're going to have to deal with on the home front now. I don't know exactly how it will manifest itself, but it is there. And at least in terms of heightened protest, the threat of terrorism, probably at some point we're going, I think it's just inevitable that we're going to get more terrorist attacks here on domestic soil. And who knows what will come after that. There's a trial going on in my hometown of London, Ontario, right now. Right now, the trial is ongoing for that 
man who ran over that Muslim family. And he's on trial and that's all about prejudice. That's about a mania. That's about exposure to online messaging that got in that guy's head and hate, anger. And then it's about politics because Prime Minister Trudeau, after that incident, went to my hometown, where I don't live there now, but it's not very far from here. And he went, stood on stage to address the local community, stood up and said, and this was bizarre, he said, today we are all Muslims. And I understood what he was trying to get at, but it was a misdirected, poorly crafted message. And he went beyond that. And it was an insult to some people, especially, say, Christians, who maybe empathized or sympathized with the Muslim community and people from other faiths. But no, we're not all Muslims. But Trudeau, in his small little pea brain, got this idea that, oh, we're all Muslims today. I understood what he was trying to say. It was like, you know, stand united together and we'll fight to, to make the community a better blah, 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 blah. And then he went, but it was misguided because Christians can't be Muslims, nor do they want to be, nor should they be, because there is absolutely a division there that will never be overcome. We just need to tolerate each other. But then he went beyond that and said that we have to move beyond tolerance. In that very same speech on that day, which was a pivotal moment for me too, a moment of realization that this guy really has got some really cockamamie ideas in his head. Because to move beyond tolerance is to move to a place of intolerance, which is dangerous in itself and breeds more prejudice and hate. Because it becomes an issue then of enforcement. It became, at that moment, about compliance again for that guy. You shall embrace, not just tolerate someone with different viewpoints. You won't just tolerate someone with a different religion. You must embrace it because we have to move beyond tolerance, he said. What a crazy idea. Because if you don't embrace it, then you would be guilty of a political sin in an era where politics has become a religion for people on all sides because our society has become so secular. And with people lacking a moral compass based on religion, a lot of people with no religion, no moral compass, it's people like Justin Trudeau who then seek to become something more than a man, more than human. The leader that transcends humanity. Well, I'm sorry, but he just doesn't live up to that. Not even close. He is just a man. with all of his flaws. And he's made a lot of mistakes.
that speech being one of them, lockdowns another, forced vaccinations another. And even the way he's handling this right now, this conflict in Palestine. It's a lack of leadership, but he's only human. And that's the thing. We're all human. Oh, each side is trying to dehumanize the other to justify all of this. You know, tomorrow night, too, I will get into more of why we're seeing the political alignments that we're seeing. I will get into why I said the other night that even within the freedom movement, what I am hearing, and this is absolute, I stand by this. I've been attacked for it by a few people. But I said that I'm, I'm witnessing hardcore socialism and outright communism being expressed by people within the freedom movement who are then being motivated by that ideology to engage in, um, well, you know, they've stopped short of actually engaging in bad behavior that it sort of goes beyond, right? But the desire is there. And I've been hearing that kind of ideology from people who are at the center of some of that. People have, I've, you know, <laughs> I'll get into it more tomorrow night. But the point is that we're getting this in the minds of some, this strange evolution um, in political alignments and attitudes that's really bringing the left, if you want to call it that, and the right, if you want to call it that, the extremes of the both of both sides, sort of together. Both of which are engaging in a form of anti-Semitism. And the anti-Semitism we are witnessing today really is not dependent on the victimization of true Jewish people. It isn't just that. Jew is being redefined as well. The way that's being portrayed and, and sold to people as part of this political ideology is morphing and evolving as well. Jew means something a little bit different today than it used to. It's certainly directly aimed at Judaism. But it's also directed more broadly at the elite. The people who control the money, the people who control the power, the people who control the media. It's all aimed at those people. It's actually the same old cliche just being expressed in a different way. And it's dangerous. And now the people who have been pushing that narrative for a long time in sort of cloaked and shadowy ways using clever language and euphemisms are now barely even hiding it. I will show you in more detail what I'm talking about tomorrow night. It's extremely important that people begin to understand what they're being pulled into. And I don't hear anybody else talking about this in this way. Well, very, very, very few people 
because it's not really readily apparent to, to folks because people tend to think of politics in terms of black and white, good versus evil, up versus down. They don't see the shades of gray. But you know what is black and white? The result. Death. Death. War. Suffering. Everything going on right now is just a huge mistake. Because violence will just get us more violence and we've already had more violence and then we've had more violence on the violence. We're having more violence tonight. And we've had enough violence now that I think we're almost guaranteed at least another decade, maybe another century of violence. We just heard from those guys on the street there during that live cast, live stream from Ottawa at the protest saying they want to stop the war machine. Well, you know what really fuels the war machine? Ignorance, hate, prejudice, violence. Violence fuels the violence. That's what fuels the war machine. It isn't just politicians. And it isn't just the money. They need you. They need me. They need all of us to endorse it. To pick a side. Get angry. That's the trick. That's what they do. That's what the information warfare campaign is all about. That's what I'm here to try to stop every night. I believe in peace and I don't just pay lip service to it. I really believe it. I believe in it. That's the cause. And we'll get there through actual truth and a fuller understanding of history in a more proper context. Understanding hate, prejudice, and ignorance. And here in the West, we are so guilty of ignorance, aren't we? Victims of ignorance, really. Our entire generation, victims of ignorance because we were sheltered. And I think our parents and our grandparents and our great-great-grandparents and our great-great-great-great-great-grandparents were trying to do us a service by sheltering us. Maybe thinking that we wouldn't have to worry about all of the atrocities and the horrors that they left behind in the old world for the new world. Hoping that we would have a better life over time. But in the end, they've done us a disservice, especially since World War II and World War I. Because people are not properly educated. We are not aware. We say every Remembrance Day, lest we forget, and we have so forgotten. Barely understanding. And the people who do know their history, the people who do understand elements of it, I'm afraid many of these people are absolutely determined to repeat it. Because they bring with them a particular perspective, a particular worldview, a particular kind of prejudice, and sometimes outright bigotry and racism. 
And so they're selling stuff to you, man. They're selling it, selling it to you. They're all trying to sell us something. I don't think I'm the most popular podcaster out there these days because I'm just not picking a side. I'm, I'm in this different place where I'm trying to still employ and maybe even get back to in a more serious way, the ethics and the, the commitment to impartiality, trying to be unbiased to present all sides of a story for a greater understanding. So people can really participate in the process and get to a better place, get closer to the truth so that we can get to peace and building a better society for everyone, a better world together. But when you've got something as polarizing as a war, everyone's being sort of forced, pushed to pick a side. And if you don't pick a side, oh, you know, like in my case, how many people messaged me last night to tell me that I'm not a true freedom fighter? Oh, you're way too mainstream. You know what? I'm okay. I, you know what? I'm in a way I am sort of mainstream. I'm moderate, but I wouldn't say I'm mainstream, not in the mainstream sense today, because the mainstream, especially the mainstream media today has been captured. There's nothing mainstream about the mainstream media. Mainstream media today, they're a mouthpiece for the woke liberal cultural Marxist left-wing strain of that, the government. That's what they are, at least in my country, to some degree in the States as well. But I'm more moderate. I'm not aligned with them. I'm not aligned with a lot of these guys over there. So a lot of people are like, well, what's he stand? Which, which side's he on? Who's he with? I'm on the side of truth, man. If that's that's a phrase, a word that's thrown around way too loosely these days, I will tell you the truth. And then they lie to you. They indoctrinate you into some conspiracy theory or some whacked out thing. Or you know, on the other side, they're saying they're telling you the truth. Well, they're selling you some government line, some government lie. Well, they tell you they're telling you the truth. And here I am saying that I'm telling you the truth. Well, I'm I'm saying I'm just trying to get you closer there. I'm trying to give you all the information so you can make your own determination. I am still committed to the ideals of real journalism. That's what this place is about. That's true freedom. Because it's about freeing you. Trump trying to free you from the psychological conditioning that they are bombarding you with. That's why I'm going to run this video to show you the reality. And this isn't the whole story. This isn't the whole reality of what war is about. But it is a horror. And it is a part of the reality. It is a part of the perspective. Now, if you're, I'm going to jump off YouTube here now, folks. So if you're not, watching on Rumble, please go over to Rumble because this program will continue over there. I cannot run this on YouTube. And you've been warned that this footage, very graphic.
So I have to end the broadcast on YouTube. We're going to take a break. I'm going to post this in the chat again. One more time. If you are watching on YouTube, here's the link. So you can go to our Rumble channel. While you're there, please consider subscribing. And then we're going to get into this next section of the program, which is... It's, it's reality. This is, this is going to be very real. I'll be right back. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others. Out. Of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now, tomorrow, maybe too late, too late, too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay. I'm back. Here's the footage. Released by Israel. I guess, apparently, um, but shot by Hamas during the initial attack. This is what happened. Shot by Hamas. Uh, here we go. I'm going to dump off YouTube. Now, if you're not on Rumble, then you have to go over there. But goodbye, YouTube. Sorry, YouTube. We'd stay there, but this is just way too much. YouTube gone. Okay. So just rumble Twitter. That's the only places we're on right now. And Twitch. This is graphic. So if you're concerned, if you're worried about that, don't watch. Here we go.
So as you can see, this is uh, like security camera footage taken from various locations. And you can see that these guys are getting around on motorcycles, heavily armed with machine guns. And they are killing people in their cars. Just civilians. As you can see, they're pulling the bodies out. These people are not armed. A group of attackers. And again, a woman trying to hide behind two women, it appears, behind a car. And being mowed down. And this guy just walk, you know, running down the street and shot. And then you see him bleeding out on the sidewalk as a group of armed gunmen come out of hiding on the side of the road. And that man on the street is just, he's just been killed, murdered. This is appalling. And here, after this person removed from a vehicle, I guess, shot, left in the middle of the street, and then these two guys taking the body, and I don't know why they're loading him into the back of this SUV, but they are. And then they're just going through the guy's possessions, I guess, in the middle of the street, seeing with whatever they want to take. I don't know what that is. I don't know. And then... This is them breaching the barrier. These armed people. And here they have uh, some man with his shirt off and they're pointing their weapons at him, kicking him repeatedly while he's laying, sitting on the ground and then they throw an explosive device inside this building. People come running out. Shot. And then they shoot them. So this was footage recovered from phones. An explosion right there. So they can breach a barrier. And these are Hamas fighters. And then you can see that these, uh, these guys heavily armed driving down the road they have some sort of a, a rocket well, I don't know some sort of a I don't know what kind of a weapon that is I'm not a weapons expert but some sort of a grenade launcher I think is what that is and there he is on the back of a motorcycle shooting footage while they're running you know just heading down the road and using these motorcycles for um, 
enhanced mobility so they can get around on all kinds of terrain and get off road, making it more difficult to be chased, I think, by people in cars or defense forces. And there you see them also, again, breaching the barrier, getting through a wall. And as much as Israel is supposed to have the most advanced and robust defense systems and intelligence systems, you can see that, you know, getting through that wall, getting past this thing, getting into the country, I, getting to get a human being into a country or human beings, it's, I don't think that difficult. I mean, to some degree, but here you are, here they are firing into homes against civilians. There's nothing brave about what they're doing here. Nothing. Go in as a group, armed up, and uh, and you attack unarmed, innocent civilians. They don't shoot back. It's not until you come up against uh, security detail or a or Israeli military that, you know, you're, you're in any kind of danger or threat to, to go and do this. This is, I would say it's cowardly. Doesn't make you, I, I, that's, that's my take on it. And I'm not, I'm not in any way justifying what is happening on the other side, either innocent civilians being killed. This is in my estimation, a war crime. I don't care how anybody tries to justify this. That's what you're witnessing right now. This is just straight up murder. There's these people are helpless. These victims. Politics, history, everything aside, it does not matter. As far as I'm concerned, no justification for what we're witnessing right now. This is terrible. Taking down a security camera of some kind. And then this grenade launcher. This is the reality that is right now in Israel and Gaza. And then this is footage that was shot, I believe, by the Israelis later in the aftermath. Showing the bodies. 
And when we're done with this, I will run some footage on the other side to show you the other side of this conflict from the Palestinian perspective. To provide balance. So you can make up your mind. Keeping in mind that they want you to pick a side, but I'm not so sure that we need to or should. And then you can see that, I'm sorry, those are burned bodies in a car. <sighs> burned bodies. This is uh, this is reality. And this is just a trail of blood. And it doesn't show you the body at the end of it. And you can't unsee that once you've seen it. Take a break. Greetings brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. 
Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow may be too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay. More reality, but this is from the other side. Again, very graphic footage. You may not want to watch this. This is truth. At least it appears to be truth these days with so much editing and manipulation. Question everything. This appears to be close to the truth. Trying to save someone who can see his arm. Child. Trying to get all of the his beams and gravel and debris off so they can pull him out. And here's a wider shot. This apparently, according to this post, this is from maybe earlier today. That's what it appears to be. But again, with all these posts that I'm being fed, I question the legitimacy and accuracy of all of this stuff. But again, this appears to be authentic. People just trying to, to get a body from under the rubble of the house. Uh, the artillery keep bombing the warplanes. Uh, as you know, um, a surfing camp, a surfing camp, it's so crowded. It's crazy here. And there is more. Here's an explosion in Gaza. Thank you. 
go. And yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know even how to respond to some of this insanity. And here's a post from Al Jazeera which captions this as saying, UN says Gaza health ministry, death tolls in previous wars, credible or something. I don't even, I'm not even going to show you this because you know why? This is a, a, a picture of what appear to be body bags, but I can't authenticate that. I don't even know when this was shot. And uh, I'm not sure if it's current, old where it was taken and that's the problem with a lot of the information we're being fed is we just don't know here's uh here's some photos of some of the explosions that this appears to be authentic explosions in gaza from some of the attacks from israel And yeah, I mean, we're told that Hamas uses the civilians there as human shields. They actually, uh, there are reports that they've been preventing the civilians from actually leaving because they want them staying there to use them as shields. And there's a long history of Hamas using apartment buildings, even hospitals, to position equipment and personnel around them in a, in a in the hope that they won't be attacked there you know the thing is we're seeing both sides try to portray the other as being less than human dehumanizing the other side by dehumanizing the their enemy it uh, it justifies to them killing them killing their enemy it also allows them to indoctrinate their military personnel into a way of thinking.
so that if you want if you want to convince someone to kill another human being or many maybe many human beings you have to convince the person on some level that the people being targeted are not really human beings that's the way it works it's the way it's always worked in every war indeed they want to convince you both sides are trying to convince you that either the israelis or the palestinians or hamas or whomever they're not really human they're doing that in various ways right now using social media bombarding us with messaging they're subhuman they're human animals they say in some cases i'm even hearing them use alien in the indoctrination process describing the enemy as aliens isn't that interesting the way they refer to a group of people as aliens after we just went through this long period of a couple of months of all this talk about ufos and aliens and now suddenly we're hearing about the enemy being aliens some people will take that very literally regardless of how it's being done the result is death and i just want to wrap things up here tonight by saying this it is not a situation where we are dealing with subhumans regardless of what side you are on regardless of how you view this war what we're seeing here is not the activity of subhumans or aliens or human animals or monsters I have to tell you, what we're seeing here, it's all happening not because the people involved are less than human. It's happening because they're human. And what we're witnessing right now is the worst the absolute worst of humanity. Don't stare into the abyss that I showed you tonight for too long. Lest it consume you. I love you guys. We are Mavericks.
we don't have to pick one side or the other. There's a better path forward. We'll explore that in more depth tomorrow night. Join me here, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On the flip side. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.